The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus prayed for his disciples, and then he said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Generous God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our creator, our redeemer, and our inspirer. Amen. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. On this youth Sunday, as we approach the end of the school year, We find ourselves in a particular season for graduations and graduation speeches. Graduations themselves are a way of recognizing and honoring a change in identity, whether that new identity is an identity as a middle school graduate or a high school graduate, an elementary school graduate or a graduate of fifth grade or fourth grade or first grade. The graduation ceremony is both a celebration and an enactment of this new identity, 
It demarcates a transition in who we are and how we relate to others, not unlike a baptism, a confirmation, a reception, or another sacramental rite. A clergy colleague of mine was approached a little while ago about a particular right for a new name, for a new gender. This individual had been born with a gender identity that did not match her inner understanding of who she was. And so the church had a ceremony to give her a new name that reflected the gender that she felt and she knew inside. These kinds of transitions present us with a particularly powerful moment for positive change, an opportunity for introspection and discernment as we arrive at the end of one particular chapter of our lives, our public lives at least, and the beginning of another. It's a time for asking some of the bigger questions. These transitional moments give us a chance to orient and reorient ourselves so that the larger arc of our story can be more closely aligned with the longer-term meaning and direction we want for our lives. In our second reading, the end of Revelation, the end of the entire Bible, looks ahead to the final transitional time of Christ's return, praying, Come, Lord Jesus. As we anticipate the restoration, Christ will bring in completeness at the end to redeem and restore this broken world in a way that we cannot comprehend now in our limited humanity. And in our liturgical year as a church, we are also in a transitional moment. We are in an in-between time, doing our own orienteering of sorts after the risen Christ's earthly departure on Ascension Day this past Thursday and awaiting the arrival of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost this next Sunday. The identity and calling of the disciples is in flux, as Jesus explained and then enacted His earthly departure. This transition in identity brought the end of one way in which the disciples were accustomed to functioning and the beginning of another. Even our outward appearances are about to change in the coming weeks. Today is the last Sunday for the celebratory white vestments of Eastertide before transitioning to the fiery red of Pentecost next Sunday and the green of growth and vibrancy during ordinary time for the Sundays after Pentecost that take us through the summer and into the fall. In our first reading also, whether they knew it or not, Paul and Silas and the other disciples were coming to the end of their time in Philippi, which in itself would provide for a new beginning in Thessalonica, the destination for the letter to the Thessalonians. But before that transition in geographical location, there was a spiritual transition that took place. A young girl had been trafficked, and the text tells us that she had been following Paul and the others for many days, saying, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She was speaking of the disciples in terms of her own experience, 
as a slave. Even though that word for slave and servant in Greek doesn't mean what it does for us today, she was persistent in reaching out to Paul and Silas. And at some point, Paul got so annoyed, so fed up, as it were, that he spoke directly to the source of the girl's bondage. I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Did he do this because he was annoyed by her words? Or did he, was he annoyed by the unjust status quo that her situation embodied? I think it was the latter. Those who had previously hoped to profit from enslaving her were certainly none too pleased with what Paul did. So displeased, in fact, that they brought Paul and Silas before the authorities and accused them of disorderly and unlawful behavior, such that Paul and Silas were both beaten and thrown in jail. The redemption of this young girl was not without cost. Paul and Silas paid for her freedom with their own. Maybe on some level, they knew something of this, they could have known something of this difficult spiritual calculus ahead of time. Maybe they had been hoping that they could avoid the issue of her enslavement entirely if they just focused on the needs in Philippi that were perhaps cleaner and nicer to deal with. I think we're still faced with that temptation today. But that also wasn't what Christ did. Christ's love was both personal and sacrificial. Christ was willing to journey with us to take on our pain, our disappointment, our doubt, and our perceptions of powerlessness for the sake of eternal life. Christ took on our brokenness that we might be freed from brokenness. And in our gospel today, Christ prayed to his heavenly parent for us, the disciples praying that the disciples would know God's holy name, God's holy reputation, praying that this knowledge would be spread so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. These are Christ's words. And as a disciple of Christ, Paul made what could be described as a sacrificial choice, a choice that came at personal cost. And by God's power, Paul and Silas were brought through the prison cell. Indeed, Paul's faith manifested in song was part of transforming the lives of everyone in that prison, even and especially the jailer. Before the end of our reading, we learn that the jailer was the one who washed Paul and Silas's wounds after his baptism, and he and his whole household rejoiced at his having become a believer in God. Seeing the jailer come to faith in such a powerful way surely was its own transitional moment, its own form of graduation, as Paul and Silas were released from jail and returned to visit Lydia and her house one more time before departing. Indeed, long before Paul had left for Philippi, he had a vision in the night of a man begging him to come help him in Macedonia. We heard of that vision last week. But in those chapters that followed, the only man who's coming to faith is actually mentioned in the text during the course of this visit to Philippi is the jailer. Paul had a vision of helping a man of Macedonia 
but the man he ended up helping was his own prison master. The Lord works in mysterious ways, and those mysterious ways that Christ brings freedom into people's lives aren't just relegated to the past or to Scripture. We can envision how we might want a particular week or month or year to go. We might have made, last, made plans last fall or last academic year for how we hoped we would look at our graduation this coming summer. We can't fully anticipate its unfolding. Anytime we reach out to, whether it be an analogous experience to reaching out to that other student in the lunchroom who's eating on their own, reaching out to that person in the hallway who's straying back, our reaching out transforms us and them. Our sisters and brothers in the faith are often the ones who can set us free who can wash our wounds. We can wash the wounds of others, imperfect as we are. God's grace can make use of our oversights, our frustrations, our annoyances, and our limitations, as well as our faithful acts of loving kindness. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Amen.